There will be no introductory music this week. The original plan for this week was to release an episode about the overlap of digital technology and human experience in business. That episode is still coming next week, but something unexpected has happened. Right before I was set to upload the audio for that episode, I learned that there had been a death in the family of this human business. Now rest assured, I'm not talking about the death of a human being. One of the tech entrepreneurs I interviewed for the episode that I was going to release this week announced at the beginning of this week that his artificial intelligence business is closing up shop. So, instead of the regularly scheduled episode, this week we're going to talk about what happened. We're going to hold an artificial intelligence post-mortem. It was an unexpected death. Not long ago, when I talked with this entrepreneur about his business, he was full of hope. It struck me, the discrepancy between the confident discussion we had about his brand of artificial intelligence and its subsequent failure. This discrepancy gets to the heart of a deep imbalance in the culture of digital business and the way that it warps the way we perceive the relationship between our work in the present and what we expect out of the future. We will get to that, but to start with, I want to introduce you to the business as it was conceived. It was wonderfully strange, proof that even in the most abstracted realms of Silicon Valley's transhumanist dreams, the beautiful weirdness of humanity cannot be suppressed. The owner of this business, Jan Kremlicek, was working to establish an immortal artificial repository for human identity in the form of a virtual cat. Yes, a cat. His business at the website uploadme.ai offered the vision of an artificial intelligence building itself into a feline doppelganger of your identity using data from your Gmail account and your Facebook and Twitter feeds, plus some chatbot interaction. Um, I need to ask about the cat. You've developed this artificial intelligence, but you've created a character, Ollie, or is it Oli? How do you pronounce that? Oh, Ollie. Ollie. Okay. So there's Ollie, this adorable kitten. Um, you could have created a different character for artificial intelligence, maybe showing a robot. Um, as often is done, or just a computer, or it could have been, I don't know, anything else. It could have been... Anything at all. An elephant, or a stone. What made you choose this cat uh, as the face of artificial intelligence? Uh, okay, let, let me answer you two answers. Uh, the first one. Uh, uh, as, as I believe... Uh, in something unseenable, untouchable, and in a higher power than uh, our brains, uh, I am a very strong man of intuition. Uh, if something 
come to my mind uh, and come to my mind I mean I do not own such an idea I, I, I very often use it uh, as the first thing I do uh, because it's not influenced uh, by experience triggered in my brain so the decision to make such a character the, the only the cat uh, and <clears throat> we name we name him well fat cat uh, was a very intuitive one without having a rational reason behind why uh, and now the answer number two <laughs> uh, later <clears throat> I asked myself of course uh, why did I choose a cat uh, I don't even uh, I have one as a friend. Uh, I don't have any pets uh, anyway. Uh, but far more, uh, in every religion, uh, as far as I know, uh, cats in general, they have a very special role. Even for atheists, uh, they believe in some special magic in cats. Uh, doesn't matter if it's true or not. <clears throat> uh, another pretty rational reason, and a quite obvious. Uh, as I do not see difference in, in between humans and machines, uh, in general, the, the, the philosophic view, uh, I thought to myself that it would be lovely to have something more acceptable for people than just a robot. Uh, robot seems quite cold because it's usually in our visions made of steel, for example. Uh, but a cat uh, might be much more friendly. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's very obvious. There is nothing extra special behind it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm wondering, what does this say about the way that you want your customers to relate to the service that you're providing? The kind of relationship you want them to have with artificial intelligence? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, uh, let me take you a little bit behind the curtain. Uh, what you can see... Uh, available and online is, is the doppelganger service uh, computed by artificial intelligence named Oli and visually represented as a cat. Uh, but part of the project, the, the essential part, which is not online and will be, uh, let's say this year, uh, I don't want to be so specific, mm -hmm. uh, is that Oli as your personal friend. Uh, I don't want to call it, I don't want to call him a guru or a mentor or a coach because those words, uh, they have very specific meaning. Uh, but we are working on a part of the project where you can be a real friend with the Oli, uh, of course, artificial intelligence present in the talking with you continuously about meaning of life, happiness, 
purpose of your life and even doing many more magics <laughs> things uh, to, to help to uh, be more steady uh, be more calm uh, with the whole concept of the world Jan's work is full of playful contradictions like this a human transferring an aspect of their identity into a computer only to have it translated into the form of a cat. Another manifestation of this playful attitude was the name of his business, Mindful Industries. How on earth can an industry be mindful? Honestly, uh, at the beginning, it was a joke. Uh, I invented the name really as a as an ironic name because it doesn't make sense to put it together. Uh, from from past decades, we mostly understand the word industry, like something, uh, a big companies, <clears throat> big corporations, uh, something we really do not want, uh, I mean, society in general. So, so the combination of mindfulness, sorry for the rushes outside. Uh, That's okay. Uh, of the word of the word mindful uh, and industry, it's somehow very ironic. But at the end, uh, we are talking about the decentralized future and autonomous computers. Uh. The thing about Jan was that he was genuinely trying to use artificial intelligence to increase human happiness. Could a cat doppelganger online really do this? I don't know about that. When I used the service, my doppelganger didn't really talk to me so much as repeat garbled bits of my emails or tweets. It wasn't even in complete sentences and it was never relevant. So the artificial intelligence wasn't really intelligent. It didn't work well. But the thing is, I am convinced that Jan was sincere in his effort to create uh, a service that could actually support human happiness through artificial intelligence. We still somehow believe uh, that there must be something more important or let's say not important, more uh, more human in, in this world. Uh, usually, uh, especially here in India, I can, I can see a lot of tourists coming here to, to seek for the, uh, for the spirituality, for, for, for the meaning of life. Uh, but it's like two borders of one river. Uh, so, very simple answer. The mindful industry is the river in between. Part of the project is to try to help people achieve more happy lives. Because if only we'll be able, and that's why it's artificial intelligence, because I have only 24 hours per day, as well as you. Uh, he has billions of hours per day. Uh, if only we'll be able to, even just a, just in a tiny way, improve the quality of life. And quality of life is not dependent on the money or things. Uh, it's just up, up to you. If only we'll be able to increase the quality of human lives, then the data set will be much more happier in general. Artificial intelligence as a river in between two boats, the boat of technological corporations and the boat of humanity. What could be better than that? What does it mean, though? 
How would it actually feel to try to work in between two boats on an ever-moving river? All of a sudden, the metaphor feels much less comfortable. It may have been easier for Jan to make this metaphorical leap because he accepted a core tenet of Silicon Valley ideology, that human beings are little more than walking machines. Jan Kremlicek's river was winding its way through an uncanny valley. There is no real difference in between computers, animals, uh, and, and humankind. Hmm. From my philosophical perspective, there is no big difference, uh, of course, in, in shapes, for example. Uh, so for me, it's, it's really one world, and it's going to be more united in, in a very near future. That's, that's, that's quite obvious for, for all of us. Uh, so I don't see anything broken to try to put these worlds together. Uh, I don't see difference in between machines and humans in, in, in general. In general, in terms of evolution, for example, uh, and from that perspective, <clears throat> it really doesn't matter if you uh, are bodybuilder and trying to make your muscles better and uh, your, your movement uh, in a better way, or if you do some kind of software. Jan promised paying members of his service a magical life through artificial intelligence that would make us feel more calm with the world. But just as I was about to click the button to upload this week's episode on technology to the server, I got an email announcing that the service is out of service permanently. The announcement read, only when something ends, there is space for new beginnings. We don't want to waste your time Thus so, we will be as quick as possible. To date, we have stopped future computation of all doppelgangers. Simply put, it has been taking too much effort without reasonable outcomes. We have driven too many miles without finding the right way. It feels good right now, but it all comes falling. Jan Kremlicek has not lost his faith in the future of artificial intelligence. Although upload me, AI is dead. Oli remains alive at another site. I am calm online. In this incarnation, Oli seeks to use artificial intelligence to become a surrogate reader for the service's users, scanning an article or book ahead of time so that you can get an idea of whether it's really worth the effort. It's not exactly the same ambitious vision of what artificial intelligence could do that Jan displayed before. So what happened? I get so many, com not, not complaints, but uh, so many half questions, half complaints, if it's just uh, a way how to steal money of people. It's almost impossible to, to convince people that it's trustworthy and and I'm not just trying to get your personal data from your emails and use it to sell or to cheat or to broke to your bank account or whatever. You know, the, the, the intimacy and privacy issue uh, plus the inability to, to prove that it's all secured and I have no wrong motivation to, to steal your data or whatever. 
uh, it's almost impossible. And also, on the other hand, financially, uh, I, it was a damage for me because you know the, the, the price just for the computation was so much higher than one buck per month. And you know, all all all, all that mixed together uh, put the project going really down. And when whatever is constantly going down, it makes you feel sad. Jan's artificial intelligence crashed when it ran up against human reality. People didn't trust Jan or his artificial intelligence system with their private data. And why should they? Companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Twitter have repeatedly betrayed users' trust. We have all learned the hard way that if tech companies can find a way to exploit our data for profit, they will do it regardless of ethics. Maybe not all tech companies do this, but the betrayals have been so many and so dramatic that it's difficult to see why anyone should approach Silicon Valley's promises with anything but skepticism. The tragic irony is that Jan Kremlicek really intended to create an artificial intelligence system that would increase human happiness, but it only made him more sad. So what's Jan doing in the aftermath of the death of his artificial intelligence doppelganger business? He's gone back into the physical world using his digital expertise to facilitate yoga retreats and instruction sessions. What we do is uh, yoga retreats, uh, but not like B2C. We are not selling to end customers. Uh, we just provide all the retreat uh, facilities and we also teach kids yoga in Australia because of the uh, business partner of me uh, we do teachings uh, for kids to teach them uh, let's say basic human values uh, on yoga and how to focus on uh, just, a, just a tiny example try imagine that you are uh, angry or, or annoyed by uh, another kid in a school and we teach you what to do uh, by yoga uh, to get that angriness out of you and be more calm with whatever happens. Maybe Jan's shift into facilitating yoga sessions isn't a defeat of the digital so much as its synthesis with the physical world. Yoga is all about harnessing the power of humanity within itself. It requires physical, mental exertion. It's not something you can benefit from by downloading data about it. You have to be there as a human being, participating. There is no app for that. But what Jan's artificial intelligence platform is now doing is supportive of the human experience. It isn't the star of the show anymore. There are no more claims about being able to upload your consciousness. Instead, the artificial intelligence takes care of some of the drudgery of organizing human events in the real world. It's a butler to our search for enlightenment rather than the source of enlightenment itself. This will be a difficult cultural change for business to make. We have come to accept the virtue of digitization and automation. 
as an article of faith. A future without artificial intelligence seems like a bizarre science fiction premise to many of those working in the digital tech industry, and Jan Kromlicek is among them. After everything that he has been through, he says that he still believes in the value of artificial intelligence. The all experience I got through the project, uh, which have been years, uh, just three or two or three years, <clears throat> it just brought me more belief uh, in the future of artificial intelligence. Teaching kids to control their own minds, to go into the heart of their emotional shadows and confront their anger is important work. So good for you, Jan Kremlicek. Keep it up. What are the rest of us to make of all this, though? What is the point of this postmortem? Here's your colonel. Memento mori. Remember death. Where Jan Kremlicek is now, your business will go. Failure is the norm in business. It's not true that 90% of startups fail, of course. That's a popular exaggeration. The true number is something more like 60%. But still, success in business is not the norm. Business death is. Postmortem examinations of businesses that have curled up and died should consist of the majority of business writing because failure makes up the majority of the business experience. Martin Reeves of the Boston Consulting Group warns his clients that the average lifespan of the corporation has been shrinking, not expanding, since the onset of the digital revolution. The number of big businesses that live beyond 30 years is growing smaller. I don't care how big it is and how powerful it is now. The fact is that your company is going to die, and probably sooner than later. The question is how you're going to go down. With a purpose or thrashing, doing anything you can to survive. Jeff Bezos has infamously advised Amazon employees that they should wake up every day terrified that his company will fail. We have seen the consequences of that terror in a company that churns its employees at a frightening rate, treating them as disposable commodities. If your business is going to die, why not at least choose to allow it to die as a human business? When I contacted Jan Kremlicek this week, here's what he told me the biggest lesson of his business failure has been. He said, it's always better to focus on things that can help to solve real problems of real people rather than try to push boundaries. Uploading bits of our consciousness into a digital machine learning computer that rises up and speaks back to us in the voice of a digital cat is an interesting idea. But it's not really what people need. The death of Jan Kromlicek's business reminds us that technological engineering comes second. We need to put people first. 
It's about getting in touch with real people and spending time with them face to face to learn about what they're going through in their lives, in their hearts. It's not about inventing blockchain and then searching for applications of it because you're in love with its digital libertarian theoretical elegance. Now, maybe blockchain will help people. I don't know. But to tell the truth, I won't believe it until someone comes to me and starts talking about how blockchain will make people feel rather than how it works. And that hasn't happened yet. What we need from business journalism is less of the arrogance, less of the kissing up to people at the height of power. The truth of what they did to get that power and what they're doing to keep it is often quite different and much less beautiful than what we see in the puff pieces on CNBC or in the Wall Street Journal. It's easy the way that business journalism focuses on the shining success stories to think that success is the standard story of business rather than the exception. But if we shift the lens to failure, we can give people working in business a more accurate and more compassionate perspective. Many people in business have been spooked by the digital revolution. They've stampeded into quantitative optimization, giving up long-held principles that once earned their brands the trust of consumers and employees alike. They've done it in the belief that digitization is a sure thing and that any business that isn't going faster and cheaper with automation is losing out. This impression is generated by stories told in excited tones about tech startups making wild promises and receiving huge payouts from investors. The story we hear less often is about how people at those same startups burn through the cash, can't make their technology match their promises, and walk away with nothing but debt and broken relationships. Wired Magazine enthusiastically reported on the effort to create IMSI as a social media network free of abuse. But they wrote nothing when IMSI shut down. TechCrunch wrote about Olio when it got $10 million in funding. TechCrunch wrote nothing when Olio went out of business not long afterwards. Evernote's freemium model got loads of positive attention at first, but when its business started to stumble, tech journalists simply wrote less about the company, instead of taking advantage of the opportunity to educate readers about what it looks like when a skyrocketing tech company begins to fall back to earth. For years, journalists writing about the tech industry seemed to have seen it as their job to evangelize for Silicon Valley, spreading the good news about how digital business was going to make bricks and mortar obsolete. The people I know, though, still frequently go to physical stores to shop. It was the dominance of hype in tech reporting that made investors gullible enough to believe the too-good-to-be-true claims of Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes, who claimed that she had secret digital technology that could perform medical blood testing automatically, 
but actually just passed along blood samples to traditional scientific laboratories. Telling the stories of tech startup fatalities can temper the hype and give more maneuvering room to business leaders who don't want to turn their companies into inhuman efficiency mills. The point I take from failures such as those of Jan Kremlicek is that digital technology solutions will sometimes work, but sometimes they won't. They're not a panacea. What's more, doing business at a measured pace that shows respect and builds relationships with employees, customers, and investors remains a valid, intelligent choice. It's time we remember that false urgency is a cheap sales tactic used by boardwalk hustlers before it was picked up by Silicon Valley hucksters. In human business, we realize that we don't have to jump at the bait. So rest in peace, Jan Kremlicek, with a healthy dose of yoga. This human business continues, however, with the anticipated episode on the relationship between technology and humanity and business coming out next Wednesday.